with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, afternoon, morning, whatever. Welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper around the unknown, unexplained, and unbelievable New England's own Van Helsing. And with me, all the way from the wonderful land of Wales, the gold standard in ghost hunting, Mr. Steve Parson. Good afternoon, good evening, good riddance. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, uh, Harry's book is a big success here in the States. <laughs> yeah. Apparently he got frostbite on his todger. Oh, that's the only thing people are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> they actually had that on, a, they had, it, it had an audio book too. So they have Harry talking about it, which is, oh the my God, part, they yeah. had it, they had it on a sports show. That's how bad that is. Yeah, the worst part about it was, um, according to my wife, who was listening to an extract of Harry reading it, was mm. afterwards he dipped it into a pot of cold cream that his mother used to use or something. Yeah, he rubbed that on there and thought about his mother as she was doing it. Yeah, that was, yeah, there's some mental derangement, I think. Yeah, a real, real problem. Yep. Yeah, a real problem. Yep. But, hey-ho. Hey. I mean, it's probably even paranormal. There you go. Uh, I've been looking, you know, I, I love mysteries. I love, love everything about this world. It's so exciting, uh, stuff that we don't know. And uh, why did he marry Megan? No, I don't even worry about that. <laughs> That's Let's a mystery. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't want to, uh, you know, I've driven out of England because I didn't want the limelight. And then he, he goes on every TV show and That's does the interviews one. and then oh, uh, buy, writes buy a book. my books on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, my, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, I wonder if that'll make the next series of The Crown. Probably. Who knows? <laughs> Anyways, getting back, I, yep. you know, I love mysteries and everything else. And, I, and there's, I so, there's so many really mysteries. cool stuff in the world. And and people love to like. Uh, mysteries. Yeah, but they love to like grab an mysteries. explanation. Oh, and yeah. It just that's the explanation for it. For instance. Uh, Let's oh, not shoot. look any further because I've had my beliefs confirmed. What's that? No, that's it. That's what they're thinking. Oh, right, 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 right. You know, if you can hear my voice, make a noise, clonk. Thank you. Do it again. But even even bigger ones than that, like you you know about that pass in in the, uh, Siberia, right? Where the, oh yeah, the hike, yeah. hike is all like. I mean that that is a real mystery of all the, the things that happened on it, right? Well, it's been and, solved now, hasn't it? No, it hasn't. Well. No, it has. That's a, the qu- That's the a problem. Very plausible explanation. No, absolutely not. That fits the scenario has no, been it proposed. Doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It, oh, what it no, does. No, 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 now you're now you're saying. I believe. Yeah, you're putting your belief before 
I'm not putting in a release. A I'm just saying good. it doesn't. It isn't. It isn't solvable. It the, no, the explanation. Of not the official. The official Russian explanation of it is is absolutely unbelievably wrong. If you go well, through the on. evidence, the evidence well, doesn't on. match to it. Go ahead. Since Let when has any Russian explanation ever matched the evidence? We're not going to invade Ukraine. We're yeah, a peaceful country. I know. <laughs> but, I mean, the thing about it is, is that you have so many, uh, you know, you look at all the evidence. you got to look at all the evidence, of yeah. course. And, and what they do is they explained a lot of it away with that particular explanation, which I'm, I assume you're talking about the avalanche thing, right? Uh, there, there, there was the, that's part of the the overall um, explanation. But what what they did is they, from what I was reviewing on a a, pro, a documentary about it, yeah, was that the the there is no definite answer. I agree because yeah. there is you know, but the that what they have managed to do is look at what evidence. Is it does exist, mm-hmm. and try to reconstruct a plausible narrative based on that evidence. Exactly, which is all fair, right? That's all right, and That's... it does tick most of the boxes. Most but of this is the key word. But there will always be. I mean, like what happened to MH three seventy? You know. Yeah, is... that's that's cool too, huh? You know, there are lots of uh, the USS Scorpion. You know, mm-hmm. was it attacked by a Russian submarine in retaliation for photographing a, a nuclear launch, or did the torpedoes it was carrying, which were new and experimental, did they just blow up? Yep. Who knows? You know, there are who killed JFK. Who was the babushka lady? When we don't have information. It makes it incredibly easy to construct different narratives that right. that often suit an individual's beliefs. So all those who think that the FBI is a rogue organization that, that can dabble in election politics and can misengineer um, you know, the outcome of investigations mm-hmm. will naturally believe that the FBI had a hand in the JFK assassination. Right. And it's plausible that they may have done. Right. And I, we, I actually found my own conspiracy theory uh, this morning uh, on, the, on the morning show. Uh, well, you know, because I, I found my own conspiracy. I, I founded my own conspiracy. Oh, right. the, government, the government is actually... Fa- uh, Funding uh, Ancestry.com because I don't know what it is like in the UK, but we are now uh, solving a lot of cases. Submitting DNA. Yeah, we're solving (laughs) lots of cases now uh, (laughs) because of uh, this DNA that's been captured. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. I mean, Uh, here's an interesting one. You know, when you uh, go on a website, I only found this out a couple of weeks ago. You know, when you go on a website and you have to put in your details and then you get a capture where it says tick all the boxes that have a tractor or traffic lights or a bus. That you, in addition to verifying um, that you're a human, you're actually part of a large scale. Uh, thing that was introduced by Google years ago, 
Um, and that what they're doing is testing AI. Um, <laughs> no, 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 seriously. Um, yeah. This is a genuine research uh, thing. What they got, what they realized was they've got AI to look at pictures, but mm-hmm. AI isn't that great. So it needs to be trained. And what those captures are when you get the photo ones or when you had originally started off with the handwriting ones. Where you oh, God, I hated those. Well, what it was is they were genuine uh, examples where AI couldn't recognize something, but the human eye could, the human. Uh, so what they did is they used, they, they came up with this notion of um, training the AI by means of every picture that you see on a capture, every handwriting, all of those sort of bad letters and words and things were all being used first to identify that you were a human and second to train an AI recognition computer using a rather like, you know, like, do you remember in the days of SETI when you could download the SETI program and then crunch little bits of it for them? Because, you know, 50 million computers could do it better than one computer. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what Capture is. It uses hundreds and hundreds of thousands of individuals clicking points, boxes yeah. um, to train the AI systems. Clever. So there we are. Anyways, We're all part of this re- hive mind now. I know it. Do you, re- do you remember the yeah, name Harry of this, this, this past... Uh, uh, oh, about. the Svet, Svetlov Pass, is it? It's Svetlov, isn't it? Yeah. Svetlov Pass. Svetlov. It's named after the leader of the expedition. Yeah, yeah. Svetlov Pass. I yeah. think. I mean, it's the closest it's I'm going to come to it. It's a tricky thing, but you know, it's people they do come up with with uh, explanations, yeah. but it's not necessarily proof that this is what happens if no if, of course not okay. i mean it's it's kind of like uh if we go into the paranormal for a minute right that's what's when, supposed to be. <laughs> when, when the the you know you get people debunkers and they say oh well um we'll take the enfield case for example on one occasion one of the girls this was about 10 or 11 months into the proceedings one of the girls threw an object in the kitchen and was caught immediately. Mm-hmm. Now, to the skeptics, that was proof that all of the events had been um, carried out by the girls. Mm-hmm. And this is, you see this with, with the Loch Ness Monster. Joe Nickel has notably said, big pointing at certain hoax um monster you know hoax monster things that all Loch Ness monster sightings are the result of so just because something was has been done a particular way doesn't mean that the the original event so you know a ghost photograph just because you can recreate it doesn't mean that's what originally took place it just means that you can do it a different way but you know that's a double-edged sword because once again we get these lovely orb photos that say 99% yeah, of the land. Right, but however, right. 
Yeah. That's right. And I, you know, I made, I, I responded to a comment just this week um, really? on, on academia that, that made that same point. And uh, the point I've always made and tried to make very, make very clearly is that the research that I did pertaining to orbs, which was published, set, it was only dealing with a very specific question, and that is their appearance on digital cameras. And I, you know, in in the in the published paper, it actually says that orb-like phenomena, light bulbs and will-o'-the-wisps and corpse candles, corpse candles, yeah, long predate photography. So they're clearly not the same phenomena. However, the research looked at the orbs that were being produced on digital cameras, and came up with a set of scenarios well over ten thousand samples and said we didn't find any but it was very very specific because you know you can't possibly deal with every light ball and blob of light that people have seen or photographed or or have you know viewed in some in some way right so yeah i mean it's a bit of a false argument to say, well, I've explained everything because I could replicate it. Well, no, uh, just because you can replicate it means that you have found another way of doing it that may not be. But isn't that science, Steve, by being able to replicate things? Well, science, science works. Yeah, science actually works by trying to disprove everything. Um, so they will carry out replication studies, the God helmet being one of them, um, where they, they will repeat the experiment using the same, uh, using the methods laid down by the original researchers to see if they get the same results, if they get the same results. And then it's, you know, that demonstrates that the, uh, original experiment was was fine and that the result can be then published if if the result doesn't stand up then you have a case to to question the original experiment much like george meek and um the spiricom device mm. because meek published the circuits for the spiricom device and countless you know Several dozen Spiricoms were built afterwards using Meek's original plans. All of them, every single one of them, failed. And when mm. that was put to Meek, he said, oh, well, it was because I'm a medium. <laughs> so, yeah. Science does work by trying to debunk itself constantly. That's peer. Re that's the peer review process. So I was thinking, you know, why why isn't there more research done into some of these uh, areas where there's an ongoing history of uh, phenomena? You know, of course, uh, we you know the quickest thing you think is the Bridgewater Triangle. I mean, the uh, Bermuda Triangle. But I mean, there are other places that uh phenomena have occurred and well, why isn't there more what's that 
that's one of the big frustrations. It was yeah. it was a big frustration very early on in the days of uh, Most Haunted, for example, because often um, something would take place and it would be filmed and they would make a big deal about it. And then they would trot on the parapsychologist who would say, well, that's very interesting, but we'd like to do some further experiments. We'd like to see if uh, we'd like to try this. But it was never, ever done. Mm. And you find that a lot um, in the paranormal where people accept an idea. They, If there's anybody here or if you can hear my voice, uh, say my name. or And as soon as they get something that sounds positive, they just simply accept it and move forward. Right. They they don't question it any any further. Or or if people are in a haunted house and they're downstairs and they hear a noise from upstairs, there is an automatic assumption that it's a paranormal noise from upstairs because nobody ever goes to look. Okay. They just accept that the event itself is paranormal. It's intrinsically uh, confirming. It's confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. Very obvious, you know, confirmation bias. They're not looking because the answer they, you know, if they looked a little deeper, they might find an answer that they don't want. And you see this all of the time in in uh, public investigations, particularly when they're, you know, they're all gathered around a, a circle or a table and they're all holding hands and you know, the person's leading it saying, you know, can you can you do something to demonstrate that you're here? Well, you know, if, if a mouse walked across the room, if something fell over, if somebody cro- coughed or somebody's stomach churned, uh, made a sound that's confirmation yeah i mean it's the same way in uh religious beliefs you know god can give me a sign and, and you know a butterfly goes by to that mm-hmm. person that means mm-hmm. oh that's a sign so it is biased you see it in the videos the as well don't you yeah you know the, <laughs> the funeral videos where the balloon just drifts you know off the casket and up to oh, the sure. ceiling or uh, or or they go they step outside and a feather falls from the sky. Exactly. Yeah. Ordinary events are interpreted in, you know, uh, well, it's confirmation bias. Right. The person wants reassurance, and you know, to a large extent, that's why people go to psychics and mediums. They want to, they want some comfort and some reassurance that their loved one is safe on the other side and is enjoying themselves and are happy, and. Uh, the medium says, oh, yes, yes. They, 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 it's uh, also the same reason they, they go to a church or a synagogue or, or anything else. They want right. reassurance as that, well that right. there's an afterlife. That's right. But there are, there are phenomena that are reoccurring all the time that, there are. that are difficult to explain, even though we know, for instance, the, what is it? Uh, I forget the country, of course. Uh, is it the Norwegian lights? The, the lights? Uh, Hasdalen lights. Thank you very much, Steve. Yes, uh, those are really they have they have some theories on what they are. Interesting, <laughs> <laughs> voice of God. There, <laughs> they have some theories on it, but 
none of it has been proven. Once again, it's it's kind of like the the past we started. Yeah, that's right. always yeah. The Hasdall and Lights have always been um, frustrating to me because obviously I've read about them and I've watched yeah. the footage of them and and the the investigators, the researchers have spent a lot of money. They sit up in a caravan yeah. and they you know they they look and they watch and they video and. Get in a car, drive towards them, you know, and like go and yeah. see what they are. You know, it, it just strikes me as being the obvious thing to do. So, for instance, can you just explain uh, what the, the phenomena the, is? Just so place, I listen to this. Well, it, it started, well, it's been going on since the second, the, the end of the Second World War. But in, a, in the, the, the Norwegian district of Hasdalen, uh, people saw continual lights. Um, in the sky or close to the horizon. And this was repeated night after night, week after week, month after month, year after year, and to the best of my knowledge, is still continuing. As far as I know, yes. And researchers have, um, they've, you know, they've, they've set off, they've set out to explore it and to try and understand it. Um, and they've set up cameras and they've set up viewpoints and they've they've observed and videoed and photographed and but they haven't done what to me would be the most obvious thing which is which is well they know where the lights are because they can see them right is you know we live in an era of very you know powerful technology uh, we have drone cameras we have you know just rush, you know, put a camera in a drone and fly it straight at the bloody lights, run mm -hmm. towards the lights, drive towards the lights. You know, if that light is, you know, in a fixed location, which the Hasdall and lights are described as being, they, they mm -hmm. don't move, you know, they, they move vertically, but not, you know, they don't go um, further away. Horizontally, yeah, yeah. So rush them. Bit like the ghosts in Ghostbusters, the library ghost. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know how that towards it. <laughs> because it seems such an obvious thing to do. Right. You know, it seems to me to be but you even know, if you rush crazy. To work, what could you prove? Well, you would get a better look at them. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> you right. know, I mean, like, we're talking like great distances here. We're not talking, you know, we're not talking great distances. Yes, we are. We're only talking. Go ahead. Well, comparatively speaking, you know, we are only talking at most tens of miles. Yeah, it's well, the as I said, within the valley, it, depending, on, depending on where you are it. in the valley, right? Yeah, but right. they are still within a relatively small confined area, geographically mm -hmm. speaking. You know why? Why yeah. is you know why have they never explored? Further, why have they never gone to where they think the lights are? Well, they've tried a lot of the things. Lights. They set up a lot of uh, posts. They have. And they, they, they set up observers, and I mean, this they is have. thing that that the serious scientific uh, community has uh, looked at and and yeah. tried to explain. I and mean, they, it, it's it's not just. I mean, it, there's also money as well. I mean, there is also oh, yeah. in, the, <laughs> in the Norwegian Sea. It's always is, about money. <laughs> there is the. Um, underwater object that looks just like the Millennium Falcon. Oh, yeah, um, that's that's another that cool. they found on sonar. Um, and there have been a number of expeditions that have gone down to it um, to try and 
understand what it is, whether it's a geographical, uh, geological feature, whether it's, you know, as some people say, alien technology. Of course they do. Um, well, it does. It does look like the Millennium Falcon. Right. So the Millennium Falcon comes from where? Uh, I thought it was Steve Silberg's mind. I don't realize it was. From no, I mean, it does look like the Millennium Falcon. I, I agree with you. It looks like the Millennium Falcon, but the Millennium Falcon is a man-made object made by a yeah. film producer. Yeah, but so that doesn't mean to say that, you know. That alien technology would make the Millennium Falcon. No, maybe alien technology looks like the Millennium Falcon. We don't know, but lots mm -hmm. of people have speculated as to what it might be. And there have been, uh, I think, three expeditions to actually go down, dive what, on it. What they find? Uh, the questions are still relatively unanswered. There are some anomalies with it, with the, you know, it, it's not made of rock and stone conventionally like normal geology, but they ran out of money. And nobody will fund them. So they can't do any more. You know, they they think they found uh, some information about it, which they would like to go back and look at again. But they can't. Right. You know, it's kind it's kind of like uh, Oak Island, isn't it? You know, it's. Um, oh, that guy's making a fortune on that. Oh, he is now. But unless, <laughs> unless you get, you know, a giant media company to back you. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. The normal science is doesn't have a great deal of money. You know, um, it doesn't unless have... Unless there's, unless there's an opportunity to make a profit. Unless there's... Which science, yeah. yeah. But or, ordinarily speaking, real, you know, scientific research surveys don't have big budgets. Right. And a lot of the time, the scientists themselves, the researchers themselves, would like to go much further, but they just run out of money. It's like, I mean, look at the research on, on a lot of drugs and stuff. The research is there because the drug companies are hoping to come up with something right. that will cure you or vaccinate you or protect you, and they can sell it and make money. It, it always goes back to money. That's where the research that's right. is. It, that's it, right. They're looking yeah, I mean, for a return on their investment. That's right. I'm, I'm, that's capitalism. But at the same time, you know, science, unfortunately, doesn't, you know, for, for mysteries like is the Millennium Falcon at the bottom of a Norwegian um, fjord or bottom of the Norwegian Sea, there isn't the budget because nobody cares because there isn't a profit in it. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, we got to take a break because we're coming up to break. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Parsons and Ron Kolick right here on TojiNet, brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street, Methuen, Massachusetts, the Glant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, North Andover, Massachusetts, and our very, very good friends on Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon who help uh, bring this show to you. So uh, if you want to help us, become a member. Three bucks a month, you get access to, a oh God, over 40 videos now. Actually, a lot of them are just four bucks a month for now, cost of living. Oh, it'll be good. All right, we'll be right back after the Welcome to Tokyo. 
Radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parrax family. Welcome back to the second half of the first half of the two-hour Ghost Chronicles double edition. The first being the international with your host, Moncolek, and the co-host in a wintry Wales. Is gold it? standard. It is. It's quite wintry today. Is it snow? But flurries of snow are oh, battering at the window. Cute. It is. It's rather, rather good. Mm. And uh, coming up. Uh, the top of the hour is Ghost Chronicles, the next generation with the blonde bombshell. If she gets back from the gymnasium and mm. New England's own Van Helsing. Yeah. I want to give a shout out to some of our Patreons too, that helped yeah, support let's. the show. Sue and Brown. Then, and then we'll, then we'll tell them that we're putting it up to four bucks a month. <laughs> Sue Brown has been a member since uh, 2020, along with Anna Roach, uh, Craig DeGroot, who actually pays $5 a month. Wow. Uh, Quinn Doobie, um, she's back from 2020 as well. And, uh, Steven Scott, Jan Smith, Ann Ryan, Colin Blistlin, Tris Alexander, John Adamson, Christy M, Ed Stevenson. Uh, so these are some of our Patreon listeners. And join the crowd. Very grateful. And uh, we'll be undoubtedly coming up with a new video shortly. Oh, that would be nice. Anyway. Hey, um, speaking of videos and Patreons and tellers of curious tales. Yes. Um, I spoke to the teller of curious tales who's now back. He's still UK. alive. He's back in the UK. Oh, really? Oh. Um, back. Yes, we've got him back. Um, could have been Harry, but we got Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, we, we, if you recall, he's off to Ireland. Um, yeah. and we're going to get them both onto the show in the next couple of weeks as our oh, guests um, joining us here. They're both? Um, yeah, both on the same show. Both who? Both Dylan and uh, Bridget. Oh, oh, okay. Savannah from the Witching Hour Tours in Savannah. 
oh i get it okay now i do um, okay but they're going to ireland for a couple of weeks and if you, remember, if you remember they, they were supposed to end up uh at the conf the day of the unexplained conference uh mm-hmm. paracon which i'm at yes in ireland going with cal well, i believe with cal um and uh yeah we found out the other day that they're traveling back to the uk after ireland but they're they had to move their plans slightly so they're actually traveling back to the uk on the boat uh from ireland that i will be getting on to take me to ireland so as they disembark i embark oh wow that's uh bad timing isn't it i guess so well for who Anyway, he might be listening. I know he knows. I, I give it to him all the time. Anyway, um, okay, so there you go. You know, I had something I was going to say, and I can't remember the darn thing. So, uh, can people get That's, tickets to this thing, New Island? Uh, I believe if they live in Ireland, yes, they can. Um, ah, yeah. There's no online portion to this event. This is a and one of those very rare um events um and in person um paracon i got invited to do a paracon over your side in may ah Chuck E. cheeses uh yeah the one in um yeah no no um although he's involved in it so connecticut yes he is yes he is that's Chuck yeah. E. cheeses partner i had a i had an, an interesting uh zoom call with uh Charles. i got the same invitation by the way Oh, that's nice. Um, yeah. I I did point out that much as I'm flattered and would love to attend, um, I'm 3,700 miles away and it's a bit too far to swim. Mm. That's so, probably why you contacted me. Next regrettably, regrettably yeah. I, I wouldn't be able to come across. Yeah. But we had an interesting chat um, on Zoom earlier this week just to clarify a few things because mm-hmm. there was some confusion arising over an impending tour to the uk uh, Ah. he's organizing uh that that is um uh, at least in part hosted by richard felix ah good old richard um but charles has got sort of there was a general confusion and so we we sorted all that out but yeah that's still apparently going ahead in the summer and richard is still very uh interested very keen in being the main host. Excellent. Although I might be involved. Whatever. You guys are good together anyway. So anyway, I happened to uh, watch uh, some TV and I had put on a show from the UK. I believe it's... Oh, I've got oh I can only apologize. Was it Downton? And it sounded like Ghost Dimensions or something. And, oh, it, yeah. and it was this this man and this woman and this was during covid so they they had their their thing they had to go out and do all these investigations mm-hmm. because it was important work haunted britain uh, sorry the whole oh, haunted britain uh, project reveal and they got accosted in a at a number of locations by the police because they were out during lockdown and um during lockdown if you were um, if you're if you had what was considered to have uh, an essential role, so if you were an essential worker, a key worker, 
so health banking uh some stores um postal services the police obviously right um, like my son they they claimed that they were providing an essential service yes and uh, that's by, what by providing video content for all the people who couldn't go out walking around yes, that's and, so nice oh very considerate of them they yeah. Yeah. The the two clowns involved are still, you know, putting up their almost weekly, almost nightly videos onto social media um, with their sycophantic followers um, and woe betide anybody who tries to contradict anything that they say or claim. One of the most famous being uh, a photograph that they produced from the haunted Ad Britannia Adelphi Hotel in Liverpool. And they claim that they captured the spirit of a young child um, on on video. Mm -hmm. And um, this made them made them they, they themselves went to the press saying that they've made this extraordinary claim. And somebody went to the hotel, uh, went to the spot, took a photograph and revealed it to be just a blurry picture of a fire extinguisher. <laughs> no <problem>. but, <laughs> <laughs> but when that was pointed out to their sycophantic followers anybody that tried to you know um put the picture of the fire extinguisher up immediately got banned blocked barred cancelled um shouted out decried okay I, i'm looking at ghost dimension i'm not sure it's the same one that i saw this was a, a young guy and a young uh, girl. And That's them. Really? If it's Project Reveal, Haunted Britain, Project Reveal. The, the, the name of the group is Ghost Dimensions. That's all I know. Yeah, that's it's one of the, they have several names, but. Oh, they do? But and, they, uh, they did make that you know, notable claim that they were performing an essential. But then there were others that did it too. You know, after mm -hmm. they did it, um, you know, there were others who also uh, broke lockdown during, you know, the COVID lockdowns, claiming that ghost hunting was an essential public service. So anyway, this is the point I kind of wanted to make on it. Besides that point of the uh, lockdown was that it was this this guy and this girl. I saw one episode and that was more than enough uh, that I could bear. Um, <laughs> they, they went to the woods by some housing development and they went in separate dimensions went into the wood they had this this kind of eye meter or, or some kind of lighted lighted thing i don't even know what it is called i i know it was i they because it was the lights lit up like an eye and and they went in the you know i i was trying to watch and see what kind of exploring or, or investigating they were doing and, and it, they weren't they were just like neither one of them professed to be mediums but yet they were getting all this information about uh mm -hmm. all these different spirits that were there and, and how they wanted to help them and uh mm -hmm. they didn't know how but they would come back with with i mean it was it was like watching paint dry no, no offense mm -hmm. uh it was absolutely i i couldn't even see the the value of of this whole thing other than look at me well that's that's the way it is nowadays i mean Last uh, oh, last last summer, 
we had a, a video put up on um, social local, you know, the local social media page. Yeah. And it was um, of a baby dolphin, a young, a young dolphin uh, that had got itself uh, into uh, an area that, that, you know, at, at a very high tide it swam in. And then the tide receded and left it in sh very shallow water. And this baby dolphin was, you know, two or three feet long. It was, um, you know, wasn't a big thing. Yeah. But there is a there is a, uh, a lady who put up a video and the lady is in tears at this poor dolphin struggling, this poor baby dolphin struggling uh, because it's in very shallow water. Um, floundering around in the sort of the mud and and about six inches of water, and the video goes on for about a half hour because mm -hmm. um, she's streaming it live, and all the time okay. she's all the time is it, it's the video of the dolphin and mm -hmm. her voice saying, "Oh, this is terrible! Oh, this is terrible! Oh, oh, I'm so upset for this dolphin!" and the comments. You know, where you know, we'll pick the blood. Put your phone down. Phone, you know, one of the emergency services. Or That's pick the, the first blood, thing. Should, yeah, yeah. Or pick the bloody dolphin up and drag it over the sandbar and let it go into the deeper water again. <laughs> but the person was just, you know, it's like these ghost hunters. They're they're not actually doing anything. But they're putting, you know, this sort of facade on about look at us, look at us. Oh, you know, we we look at what we're doing. Look at me. Look at me. And that's pretty much what it is. I I've come to realize. Yeah, yeah. it's you know, it, I don't use social media very much anymore. I've I've got grown frustrated and bored with it because, mm -hmm. you know, it's just people p taking pictures of their breakfast. People taking pictures of or short videos of them saying how tragic their life is or how awful things are. Or I saw, I, you know, it's like, there was one this week. I had a birthday this week. Um, and thank mm -hmm. you very much for the for the good wishes. The kind, a, kind comments. But another very notable social media ghost celebrity had a birthday the day before mine. Ah. No, no names, an American one, no names. Now, they went onto Twitter and they said, oh, another year around the planet, another year older. Um, and then there was, uh, then they, and then it, um, if you'd like to help me celebrate, you can buy me a coffee. You can go fund me. You can click this. You can buy my book. You can give me, give me, give me. And there was a whole line of links to ways that you could send this American ghost celebrity, very minor ghost celebrity, okay, never appeared, um, money. Yeah, that's go the way in the world now. Yeah, it's like, hang on a minute, you've just had a birthday. Yeah, so what? Yeah. Happy birthday to you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but you know, I'm. It's it's nice when people send you good wishes, but you don't go onto social media and say, "Hey, it's my birthday. 
send me money. Yeah, that's the world we live in now, though. That's, you know, everybody, everybody has it. I mean, trust me, it was a difficult decision for me to join Patreon at all. Uh, well, I but, think Patreon's a good thing because it does allow positive things. To, it allows a lot of strange things to be funded as well. But generally speaking, Patreon is a way of people saying, uh, yeah, we'd like to help. Mm -hmm. But GoFundMe and many of these others, you know, oh, you know, I crashed the car. Oh, you know, the chickens are dead. Uh, yeah. Oh, I've, I've, I've stubbed I've, my toe. I've stubbed my toe. I need help with my medical, my medical bills. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's, a. there was one quite recently here in the UK where a young, uh, adult went on and set up a GoFundMe to buy themselves a house. There you go. What a nice guy. You know, I need a house. Um, you know, I want to move out from my parents' house, but I can't <laughs> afford. I can't afford the rent. I can't afford a mortgage. Um, so I've set up a GoFundMe page. They try working. Well, they they're more entitled than that. Oh, okay. Yeah. They anyway. they just think that you know they're so entitled that they can just say give us money. So I mean, yeah, GoFundMe. I think he's just, it's it's just glorified begging, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Which is you know, whereas, whereas Patreon... A person like you or me to do, which is... Yeah, different. Patreon is slightly different in that it is a way of saying, look, you know, um, we, can you support us? Uh, we want to, you know, um, produce content for you. Which is um, what we do. Which is what we do. Right. Um but yeah, yeah. So there I, are yeah, I agree. associated with that, you know. Exactly. But not buy me a house or pay my medical bills or yep. buy me a car or, I mean, there are now people legitimately on social media here in the UK, um, going on saying, um, "My kid needs a new computer. Will anyone donate one?" Mm -hmm. And then specifying it has to be new. It has oh, to okay, be. Oh, never mind. There are there are good groups, uh, good uh, social media things. For instance, there are. Uh, uh, there there are certain towns that you you want to get rid of something. You just put it out there, and, and people get it for free. So I mean, you know, it's not a yeah, sales that, thing. That really. happens. No, there that happens a lot Those in our good village. Ones. Yeah, yeah. You know, you'll see a post saying. Um, I've got this office furniture. I've got this bag of, you know, uh, vegetables. I've yeah. got this. I've I've left it uh, by the gate post at number seven. Mm -hmm. uh, help yourself. That was a great. Or yeah. Or, or you'll walk around the neighbourhood, and there'll be uh, last year um, the neighbours over the road. Um, you know, they their, their children had grown up. They left a load of kids' toys and bikes and yeah. stuff out, and said, you know, help yourself, everybody. Um, that's, that's the way it should be. I mean, because that's great. Number one, it keeps this stuff material out of the land recycling, and, and recycling have, or whatever, have, and and it gives somebody else, you know, an opportunity to at least be able to use it and everything, which is yeah. great. Do you have uh, things in America called community fridges? No. Oh, we have these things over here. Oh, we have uh, soup kitchens. No, no, no. These are called community fridges. Ah, uh, pantries, uh, pantries too. We have food pantries. Well, what these are at the end of the the a lot of food waste goes to landfill, you know, um, right, you know from, right. the, from, from the supermarkets. A lot of it goes to food banks, but still there is, you know, particularly around Christmas time, there is surplus. Yeah. 
uh, and it's usually vegetables, milk, bread, right? Stuff that's got a very short shelf life. And there are, are there's a lot of towns and villages have got them now. They're called community fridges, mm-hmm. and uh, basically, it is what it says. It is a big, you know, collection of refrigerators. And they they collect all these uh, perishable items before they have to go to landfill, and it's it's essentially help yourself, right? Uh, because you're keeping it out of landfill. Mm-hmm. So um, we it is you know that that's a very positive side of social media, and that's a very positive way in which people can pull together. Right. But I've got a real issue with GoFundMe and the sort of not some. I mean, there are some legitimate projects on GoFundMe, mm-hmm. um, but you know, and the idea was probably laudable when it started, but it's been corrupted into this. Hey, it's my birthday. Send me money. Exactly. So we are getting down to the end, and I do want to touch on another subject or two, which is uh, I, I wanted your opinion on as well. But a lot of this, uh, we, we were going back to phenomena, different phenomena occur, especially phenomena that is on a semi-regular or regular basis, is uh, when you have that type of phenomena, usually there's like two, uh, I can't even think of the word for it, uh, two avenues or, 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 or ah, forget it. But there's, there's basically two things. Environmental conditions are human conditions that uh, our experience are creating this phenomena. Yeah. So if you if you look at some of these cases, for instance, if you're you're doing an investigation on a house and everything, should you approach it in that two pronged attack where you you look at I should use the word attack, but um, two pronged investigation, one on the, the psychological uh, um, aspect or the human aspect of it versus in the environmental aspect of it. Well, that's the method that parascience has been using for the last 20-something years. We you have. have. We have uh, Dr. Winsper, um, who, who you know and has been mm-hmm. on the show, and her role is to focus on the psychological aspects of it. And that doesn't just include the witnesses. That also includes the psychology of the investigators themselves. Uh-huh. So, so there, so you know, the team that's actually carrying out the investigation is also being looked at and examined and studied, and their responses to um, being at the location. And then you have uh, my role in it, which is looking at all of the environmental uh, aspects. Yeah. Is it the location? Is it something within the location? Or, and the third question, the one that Anne deals with, is it the people at the location? Or some, right. you know, interaction between them. It's right. essential. It, it's absolutely essential because it's it's really the only way you're ever going to gain any understanding. Um, you know, does a tree? You know, the old one does a. If a tree falls in a forest and there's nobody there to hear it, does it make a sound? Mm-hmm. Well, in the case of a haunting. Is the building still haunted when there's nobody there? No human, no one to witness it. Exactly. That's a, you know, we say, oh, well, you know, CCTV. Well, that's a witness. Exactly. So does the does the phenomena take place, um, you know, 
without any human action. And these, when people go along and they set up these remote cameras and these locked off cameras, and they capture unusual things, that might not be the same thing as the witness saw because the witness is a human being and perceives things in slightly different in different ways than machines do. As we know. As we know. So it's a case of when we try to investigate a case um, of a haunting, we try to leave as much of it as untouched, unsullied. Um, we know that us being there has changed the situation, the circumstances. Um, so we don't take, you know, we take as fewer people and we interfere as little as possible mm -hmm. to try and create, leave the environment as much as it was um, when the event took place. You know, you know, Steve, I know that you have done extensive work with uh, the uh, SVR and, mm -hmm. and you're writing the guidance notes and so forth mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and ghostology in your own book. Uh, so if you deploy these same uh, methods in each investigation, the exact same methods in each investigation, would that create a database where we might be able to uh, stipulate that there there are environmental factors that cause this particular thing? For instance, I know you're big on infras infrasound, so if you were doing infra infrasound studies in every investigation, and you 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 found uh, it re related to every investigation that infrasound it was a particular thing. Uh, frequency or whatever in each of these investigations, wouldn't that give us a, some groundbreaking information that we could use to further and perhaps even prove the existence or disprove the existence of uh, um, paranormal? Well, in a perfect world, we would, um, and we do apply broadly the same methods, um, irrespective of the case. You know, there is a... a um, standard approach but that approach has to be varied slightly for each case because each case has its own unique individual um in, in a way that's sad though well it is but you have to you can mitigate that by using a standard approach so that you do things in the same way each more or based you know you take and I, I, this is a point I made in ghostology, that you can't define a unified standard single method of you must do X, A, B, C, D, E. Because of the nature of the chaotic environment and the differences, you know, every environment is an individual, um, you know, different people, different situations, different scenarios. However, you can construct a series of um, baseline steps that you should try to get as close as possible to. Now, that does produce usable data. It does mean that in some, um, and we take infrasound, infrasound is not omni, well, it is omnipresent, but it's not a universal panacea um, in every case. But in those cases where it is relevant, then it is relatively quickly spotted. And so 
what we are able to say with a high degree of certainty, but not absolute certainty, is that the environment can be separated from the individual in some, you know, in a, in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. So we can determine to a good standard whether we, you know, we need to focus on the person or the place, and we can do we can do that. We can reach that de- high degree of surety by using a standardized method. Okay. Unfortunately, we are running out of time, so we do have to go right now. But yeah, I, I would love to see that more uh, standard uh, investigative techniques in, by many groups and publish those, those results so that we can correlate if there is any similarities between all the cases. That, but that's we, the we, aim of a project um, running or starting to run now, whereby all of the main groups, uh, the SPR, ASAP, the Ghost Club, are all adopting a standardized approach. Okay, we got to go now because we're down like 15 seconds. Anyways, you've been listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Parsons, Ron Kolick, right here on Tojinet, uh, brought to you by our good friends on uh, Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon. That was weird. That was me coughing, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought we had an EVP. Stay tuned for Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. We'll be, well, I'll see you shortly. Good night. God bless. Good night. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.